In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. So living legendary is taking complete and total ownership of learning the skills that are going to optimize the relationships with the people that matter most to you. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host of this show. Hey guys, I'm really excited about today's guest. This guy's passionate, just like we are, about helping men become better husbands, fathers, and men. You're going to love hearing about his organization, what he does to help men. But first, I want to thank you guys for making the Men in the Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. So we really appreciate you. We appreciate your hero stories. We appreciate you going in and doing it right in a review. We appreciate you guys uh, buying our resources and engaging in our in our platform. So, hey, I want to jump into our man law today. Again, those man laws are supplied by you, our heroes. When we use your man law, you can hit us up at info at menandarena.org, and we will send you some men in the arena swag when we get your address. This week's man law is from Jacob Duke. And I know Jacob, uh, he's a friend. I had to laugh at this one. He said the best beer out there is the free one. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Jacob, for that tip of wisdom, man. Hit us up. We'll send you some swag. Also want to share a hero story from Austin. He's up in the Pacific Northwest. He talks about listening to our podcast. And uh, after his wife had cheated on him, uh, he thought she was going to leave him forever. She came back. She wanted to make the marriage work. She noticed the instant changes in his life and how their marriage was getting stronger and stronger. And she asked Hey, what is it about you that's causing all this change? He said, I've been listening to this thing called the Men in the Arena podcast, and uh, she's now wanting to get involved in something similar to Men in the Arena, and their marriage is doing a lot better. So thanks a lot for all that you're doing uh, for your marriage, Austin, and for what we see happening through you, because we believe, Guy, when a man gets it, everyone wins. So hit us up at info at menandarena.org, and we will send you some swag when we get your address. Well, hey, guys, I'm excited to bring on our guest for today's show, Larry Hagner. He's 46 years old out of St. Louis, Missouri, where he lives with his beautiful wife, Jessica, of 24 years. Larry's the creator of the Dad Edge podcast, which is featured on one of the top podcasts on iTunes. The show has received over 5 million 
downloads. So that's awesome. Larry's authored two best-selling books, including the Dad's Edge book. He also has a third book coming out in September. When that book rolls out, we will get Larry back on the show and highlight that book as well. Larry, it is great to have you on the show, man. How you doing? Oh, man, it's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. I got to update those downloads. I think that that bio is kind of kind of old now that I've, I've heard that now twice, the 5 million. We, Man, we've been blessed. We've, we have far surpassed that. We're, we're now edging into the 15, 20 million, which has been awesome. Uh, this year has been an absolute blessing as far as downloads go already. So we're we're growing the podcast 10 to 15% every month. So it's been awesome. Man, that's really cool, man. That's great to hear. So why don't you uh, take a moment and give us a little five-minute uh, story, a little bit about your personal self, uh, things you enjoy, hobbies, anything that interests you. Just give our guys some context. Sure. Uh, you know, so I, I always like to start with Dad Edge, you know, how I founded Dad Edge. You know, I, about 10 years ago, I, I literally like woke up. It was a beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, the sun was shining. Like I looked out my window and I had this epiphany that I knew everything there was to know about being a good husband and father. And I was like, you know, I should really, should really share this with the world. And that's not, <laughs> yeah, that's not true at all. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Yeah, man. It, uh, it came from, and I'm happy to get into it, but it, it, it came from a very dark place. Um, a, a huge struggle, even a really bad moment. I'm happy to share that, but I'll bring you up to, up to date on. Yeah. So dad edge, uh, that is, you know, I'm, I'm the host of, of the podcast, the dad edge and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to launch my fourth book in September. I'm the proud father of four amazing boys. Um, it is mad chaos in my house at all times. Like it, it, there, there's so much energy in my house. Like a lot of people are like, dude, what's it like raising four boys? I was like, well, imagine when you were back in college and you went to a fraternity party and you never left for like, and it just went on for 16 years. Like <laughs> that is my house. Uh, my wife, Jessica, I've known, we met in 1996. We've been married for 19 years, known her for 25 years. And that woman is a saint. Number one, she puts up with me. Uh, number two, I don't even know how she has stayed with me as long as she like, literally the I, I put her like, I was not good at relationships for like the first, at least half of our relationship. I've gotten better since I've been doing dad edge, but, and then plus like dealing with four boys, she's outnumbered. Uh, she is like the, she's the best wife a man could ask for, but, uh, that as far as hobbies go, listen, I'm one of those guys, whatever my kids want to go do, like, let's go do it. If I don't know how to do it, my, my, my view of that is, is I'll let's go learn together. I love to fish with my boys. I love to wrestle with my boys. Uh, I love to work out with my boys. Uh, one of the, you know, passions are like hiking, love to hike, especially mountains. I've done a few 14ers with my boys. Uh, fitness is literally the one thing that, that is my therapy. It keeps me grounded, keeps me sane. Uh, I don't think I've missed a week fitness wise since I was 18 years old. Uh, but in my entire childhood, I was a fat kid. So, um, oh. yeah, I've, I've Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, that that's that's pretty much me in in a nutshell. Wow. So we raised three sons. They're 28, 26 and 24 now. And uh your wife is a saint. There's a there's a special yeah. place in heaven for those women. And I'll tell you what, a woman who has raised boys, there is an edge to her 
that other women don't understand. <laughs> oh, yeah. You are. Oh, my gosh, man. You are not kidding. My, my, my wife, I always tell her, I was like, well, my wife kind of grew up. She is not a princess. Uh, she's not drama. She she's kind of like um, a, what I like to call it. It might make sense to you. Might, might, might not. But a guy's gal. She's one of those women that she doesn't she'll throw on, you know, she'll throw on workout clothes, put her hair up in a ponytail, no makeup. She'll kick ass with you in the gym and then go have a beer and lunch with you. Go have after the workout. And yeah. she just she can talk to you like like I mean, she's like an everyday person. Right. She's not like, oh, my gosh, I need to get my nails done and all this other stuff. So I always tell her. I'm like, you know, you are like the, you were like the best possible mom to raise young men because she's like this amazing, affectionate wife, mother too, but she also doesn't take any crap. Like she's kind of tough, right? But she's also very empathetic, very compassionate, but don't, don't be acting out, right? She'll, she'll cut you off and make sure she puts you back in line really, really quick. Oh, I hear you. I, I I just I'm thinking of my wife Shanna right now as well. So, how old are your kids? So, tell me the range here. Uh, I wish I could, but if there's too many of them. I don't remember. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> as it stands right now, the end of this month, my oldest will be 16. Okay. Uh, my, uh, then 14, then eight, and six. So you're like right in the middle of what we call the stress bubble, trying to raise these kids, trying to love your wife, trying to have some kind of time to fill your tank right you said you do that through exercise yes so i i'm curious because i'm a husky guy i played college football and i've always been a big guy uh but i had my uh my chubby phase for sure so tell me about the the weight it sounds like that's something that you dealt with fairly recently and not necessarily in puberty talk to me about that no so i i grew up uh, a fat kid I really did. I, I really battled with my weight growing up uh, for, I mean, until I was about probably, I think my fitness journey started right around 15 because there was, there was a big line in the sand of something that had happened. And I still, still will never forget it. I was one of those kids though, growing up um, all through grade school, junior high into high school, no athletic ability whatsoever. Like literally don't give the ball to Hagner, please, for the love of God. Right. <laughs> couldn't really run, couldn't really jump. Um, all the, I was just, and I was very, I was very heavy and I never, never really did anything active. Like I was one of those kids. I played a lot of Nintendo. Like I watched a lot of TV. I ate absolutely terrible. And then some of the things, a lot of the things I went through as a kid, like growing up, a lot of the challenges and obstacles and just mad chaos of things that were going on in my life with men coming in and out of my mom's life of my life. And I just ate away my feelings to be honest. Yeah. And it, it wasn't until I was 15, you'll appreciate this story. I was at this mixer. I don't even know if anybody, any in your audience even knows what that is, but it's like our high school, like had this dance, right. And it didn't matter what school you went to. Like everybody, like, Hey, everybody's invited. Everyone wants to go, just go. And I'll never forget. I was 15 and I had my eye on this girl all night long. And I was terrified to talk to women because obviously I was not an attractive young man. And I just looked at her all night and I was like, man, I really want to ask her to dance. And of course they, they saved the, the slow songs for like the last three songs. And I go up to this girl. I finally mustered the courage to go up to her. And I was like, Hey, I was like, would you like to dance? And literally she looked at me, she looked at me up and down and then up and down again. And she's like, 
not a chance. And she had this look of just absolute disgust on her face. And it just cut me to the quick, so hardcore. And up to that point, like I was bullied, fat kid, lard ass, you know, like I'd get, you know, I get my rear end kicked sometimes at recess, like stuff like that. And I finally, like, I was like, gosh, man, that was just, that was hard. And I came home that night and the guy that, that was living with us at the time, my mom and him weren't married, but he was living with us for two years, a complete and total nightmare of an individual. And, but he used to be a former bodybuilder and I came home and he knew that I was upset about something. He's like, Hey man. And this was like one of the few moments we had that was good together. He's like, are you all right? And I'm like, no. And he goes, well, what happened? And I told him and he goes, uh-huh. He goes, well, he goes, I got a question for you. And I was like, okay. And he goes, you tired of being a fat ass yet? And I'm like, well, this night just got better. I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm like, uh, and I was just, and I don't know what it was that in me. I mean, it, it, that was another, it was like salt in the wound, but I looked at him and I don't know what it was. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am actually. And he goes, good. You ready to do something about it? And I was like, yeah, I am. Like, what do you have in mind? He's like, well, and at the time he had brought over all of his weight equipment and it was in our garage. He goes, let's organize all the weight training equipment. I haven't worked out in a while and you've never worked out. He's like, I'm going to wake you up every morning at four 30 before school. And we're going to, Oh, train. wow. Yeah. And we did that. And he taught me everything at that point about working out. So I hated it. Like I, I, I hated, I dreaded the mornings, but I will say this. And then about a year later, him and my mom broke up but I fell in love with fitness because I lost weight. I lost about 50, 60 pounds, you know, and even in high school, like I went away for a summer. It was between uh, sophomore and junior year. And I came back and I was like, dude, like what happened to you? Right. And I was confident people treated me different. No one messed with me anymore. I actually started getting the attention of girls. Like I actually had a girlfriend. I was like, man, this is so cool. Like I, and I felt good. I felt confident. I started to, I started wrestling in high school. And I was like, man, this, it opened up an entire new world for me. And I, I, I mean, that was gosh, 30 years ago. And I, I haven't looked back since. It's funny how those memories stay fresh in our minds when we experience tremendous pain, right. Or, or shame, right. Shame and dark, you know, things that happen, people say something to you, do something to you. And in the moment you're like, Oh, that was rough. And then you realize, wow, that was, that's what really needed to happen to get me going. Wow. So, hey, so I want to transition to another painful season of your life. And I, I think this might have been the impetus for the dad edge. So 2010. Mm -hmm. So your marriage was falling apart, your fathering, your job, you had all these things going on. Can you walk us through that season of darkness and how that was a catalyst that propelled you to where you are now? Yeah. You know, if I really look at dad edge and what we're doing today, it really started when I was like a, a kid or a child, you know, and, and I'm happy to go into some detail about that later on if you want. Yeah. Uh, but I really kind of grew up in this really kind of chaotic environment. Uh, my mom constantly had new men in and out of the picture. It was always the same type of guy, just different name, different face. Um, alcohol, I, I can't confirm nor deny drugs, but I'm pretty sure there was some drug use in there. A lot of toxicity, a lot of verbal abuse, a lot of physical abuse, all this stuff. So when I, you know, met Jessica in college, you know, I was a, I was a cluster of absolute no relationship skills whatsoever. And, um, you know, 
we were together for seven years on and off before we actually got married. And what I, what I had decided when we got married, I was like, look, I am going, and the reason I waited so long to get married is, and Jessica was even like, you know, is this going to go anywhere? Like we were together on and off for seven years. And I was like, look, I want, I want to get married one time. That's it. Yeah. And I want it to be one of those, want to be one of those things. I want to be so certain about it. And then, then we got married and I was like, okay, this marriage is not going to end. It's going to be good. And, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to make it good. And then when I became a father, just a few years later, you know, I was like, okay, like none of this stuff that I went through is going to happen on my watch. Right. And for the first six years of my two oldest boys lives, my six-year-old, my four-year-old, I was not, you know, so I, I wasn't terrible. Right. I wasn't like beating them. I wasn't like throwing beer bottles at them, calling them names or anything crazy like that. But I just sort of did fatherhood at a distance, right? And I, I got and and me and Jessica's relationship, it was not great. Communication wasn't on point. No, still really didn't have relationship skills. Intimacy wasn't all that great. We just sort of were surviving. It felt like, and then there was only two areas of my life where I really got validation and the attaboys, where I felt like I was doing good. One was in my career, so I was in medical device sales, and I always did really really well there. And then the other one was in either fitness or in martial arts, um, cause I was doing martial arts at the time and how dad edge got started was I, my son was four, it was 2010 and I came home from work and I had just lost my biggest client that day mm. that was going to impact our, our income for probably the next six months to a year. I felt very defeated, already didn't have a whole lot of patience, didn't have a whole lot of skills, really frustrated with my marriage. My son, who is four at the time, uh, he stepped out of line as any four-year-old would, right? It wasn't his fault. It was mine. And I hit him in, a, in, in rage, and I, I spanked him is what I did. I didn't hit him in the face or anything, but I did spank him. But I spanked him so hard, he hit the ground. And then when I went to pick him up, I, he had this look of absolute terror on his face. And when I saw that look on his face, I was like, it just reminded me of basically myself growing up. And I was like, oh my God, my, my son fears me. Like Mm. I feared growing up and I was, I was really upset. And my wife, who is always incredibly appreciative, right? Very respectful, never really calls me out when she does though. I, I definitely listen because it doesn't happen often. And she looked at me and she's like, wow, really Larry? Like, you know, he's, he's four, right? He's four. Yeah. And um, she never talks to me like that. And I was like, oh my, like, what have I done? And it was in that moment that I came home. I'm sorry. I went into my office and as an adult, what do you do when you have a bad moment? You go distract yourself with social media. And I don't know what it was. I listen, this, you're, you're a Christian man. So am I, I honestly believe it was divine intervention where, you know, God basically had some mercy on me. Wow. And I saw this. Yeah, man. I, I saw this button in the left-hand corner and it said, create a page. Never. I created, I'd never created a page. And so I clicked that button. I don't know why. And then it said, what do you want to name your page? And the words, the good dad project just literally like just rolled off my heart and onto that keyboard. And I thought to myself, I was like, I'm going to create this page. I never did it for a following. I mean, if you would have asked me back then, if I would have thought it turned into this, I would have thought you were crazy. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm good at my job, but why am I good at my job? I'm good at my job because I'm constantly learning, 
Mm-hmm. Again, I'm very open to learn. Like, hey, how can I be better? How can I be better with people and all this stuff? Same thing with martial arts. Like I was at the time I was pursuing a black belt in a, in a martial art that was hard to get a black belt. And I was like, well, why am I decent at that? It was because I, I show up every week. I asked my instructor, well, what do I what do I need to do? How can I learn? How can I clean this up? How can I be better? And it was those two areas. I was like, well, what have I done in marriage? What have I done in fatherhood? Well, nothing. I'm winging it. And I thought to myself, well, if I could learn something new every day or, or just be eager to learn the next right thing, maybe that will help. Right. And that was that page was I'm going to go out and do some research and some homework. And I'm just going to post my stuff here just so I have like basically my own record of it. And then that spiraled into what we're doing today, which is speaking and podcasting and coaching and masterminding and all this stuff. And I would have never thought in a million years spanking my four-year-old son in a fit of rage would have turned into this platform, but it's been really remarkable. Wow. That's really cool, man. And so, so a question that came to my mind when you're sharing about your four-year-old and then your childhood, where was your dad in all of this? So I guess the, the question is, is which one? (laughs) Oh, well, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had, uh, uh, plethora of dads growing up i guess you could say my mom and biological father were married in 71 i was born in 75 after about i was about nine months old they got divorced it was really really bitter they were very young uh they were probably around they were 21 when they got married around 25 when they got divorced they were just kids and it was uh it was a really harsh divorce so much so that the, you know they that he was out right out of my life and i remember i have no recollection of him at least at that age and then when I was four, I knew what a dad was because I was in preschool. Like I vividly remember this stuff and dads would come pick up their kids from daycare. So I knew what a dad was. I just knew we didn't have one. No big deal. I actually thought when moms go out and find dads, that's actually what I thought. And uh, my mom just hadn't found my dad yet, which I was fine with. It was like no big deal. So my mom told me same age. She's like, Hey, I'm having a friend of mine over tonight. I want you to meet him. And he's coming over for dinner. So friend meant this was the guy she was dating right and so she met him at work he comes over to our house and he walks in our house and up until that point i had never seen a guy walk in my home and i'll never forget it he was wearing a three-piece suit he was a white collar data software engineer three-piece suit a trench coat his hair was feathered he had this mustache briefcase there were no ipads and this guy walks in and i was like wow i was like that must be a dad. And I literally shook this guy's hand after my mom introduced us. And my first question was, are you going to be my dad? And I remember, man, like the, the awkwardness just being thrusted into the room, right? Like, you know, the guy just awkwardly laughs and so does my mom. And I'm like all excited. And well, a year later they got within that year, they got married. Wow. My mom really kind of, yeah. My mom kind of really took that as a sign. And so he moved in. I was like, man, this is so cool. Like I have a dad and uh, he traveled a lot. So I only kind of saw him on the weekends. That's when he was home. But one thing that I, one thing about that relationship was, is every year that they were together, it just got worse and worse. Like, I mean, the, the fights and, and, and the alcohol and the, the physical abuse. I mean, I remember waking up in the middle of the night with my mom being held down in her bedroom, being beaten me going in there trying to pry this guy off him dragging me back into my room screaming our neighbors would call the cops cops would come over 
it was crazy. And then by wow. the time they broke up, I was 10. Like, wow. and I haven't seen them since. So at that age, man, I started really asking a lot of questions. Like at that point I knew what the birds and the bees were. And I was like, wait a second. I was like, where, where did I come from? Cause I know, I know this guy was not my dad. And my mom was like, well, you know, I was actually married before. And I was like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, you have a, a dad. And I was like, who is he? Where is he? And so she showed me the wedding album and she didn't know. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I saw how this guy looked. And I was like, wow, I kind of look like this guy. This is so weird, right? Long story short, a couple of years pass. I'm 12. And just for the sake of time, I won't necessarily go into all the detail, but I met him by accident when I was 12 by accident, total fluke. And what happened in that relationship was, is my dad at the time was remarried two-year-old son at the time, another one on the way. He ended up, he only lived like three miles from us and didn't know that. Yeah. Crazy. And so we, we begun this, we began this relationship and I would go over to his house. I'd see him every week. He'd show up to my little league games, stuff like that. And then it was probably right around the fifth or sixth month mark that we were like hanging out on a regular basis. And I just remember him, this, this overall feeling of strain, stress, distance, the best way I can describe it now that I'm an adult is what it, what it felt like at the time was it's almost like you're dating a girl, dating a woman and she's not into you anymore. And she hasn't told you yet, but you know, it's coming. You just, you just tell, right. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It's not you. It's me. It's actually you. But so I, (laughs) I called him. And I just asked him, like, I'm like, hey, like, uh, I'm 12. And I'm like, hey, uh, what's going on? Like, I, I just kind of feel like something's not right. Like, I don't we don't see each other as much. I don't talk to you as much. As, is everything okay? I don't remember exactly what was said in that conversation, but it was what you said. It's me. It's not you. You know, just I'm trying to start over. It's just, it's not really working out for me. And I just remember that being devastating. Mm-hmm. And then we separated and that's when I really started overeating and I failed the eighth grade I had to do eighth grade twice. Um, went on to high school, went on to college, graduated, got a job in pharmaceutical sales. And this is kind of where the story ends with my dad. My, my mom was married a total of three times throughout my childhood and dated several just nightmare men in between. So father figures in and out. So fast forward, I'm 30. I'm in medical device sales, married to Jessica. My first son is on the way. I have a coffee team meeting every Monday in this same Starbucks in St. Louis. And I'm sitting there and having this meeting and this guy comes walking in. I don't know what it was, but I just kind of like looked over and I was like, like, holy crap, that's my dad. The one I hadn't, I hadn't seen him since I was 12. He just walked in first morning coffee. And I was like, and one of the, one of the women that I was with, that I worked with, she looked at me, she's like, hello. She's like, are you here? Wow. And I'm like, I was like, sorry. I was like, uh, it's like my, it's like my my father just walked in. She's like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, my my father just walked in, and she's like, like your biological father. I was like, she said, when was the last time you saw him? I was like, I was twelve. She's like, oh my gosh, like what are you gonna do? Are you gonna what are you gonna go say to him? I was like, nothing. Like I'm not gonna go say anything to him. I was like, I haven't seen him since I was twelve. He told me kind of get lost at that point, right? And um, so she goes over to him. Oh, wow. didn't even say another word. Yeah. Just didn't even say another word. She just got up and went over to him. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is she doing? And so I'm sitting there 
and I'm watching them talk. I couldn't hear him. He was too far away, but I could read his lips. And he said, where is he? We started looking around and then we saw each other and I was like, what is about ready to happen? And then he just like, and I make my dad sound like a bum. He's actually an uber successful entrepreneur, business owner. He gets up, humbly walks over, extends his hand, shakes my hand. He's like, Hey, he's like, man, he's like, yeah, how, how are you? And I'm like, I'm fine. How are you? You know, I wasn't nice, but I wasn't cold. And he started to ask, he saw my wedding band and he, the woman that I was with, he goes, are you guys married? I was like, no, we're not married. I was like, I'm married. I was like, I'm actually expecting a son. I was like, we work together. And he goes, well, so we talked, had small talk, very awkward. And he's like, we should, we should go out to breakfast or something. And I'm like, I was like, all right, man. I was like, well, here's my card. If you want to, if you want to get together, you can contact me. Mm-hmm. And we did, we had, we had breakfast together. Well, here we are 17 years later. Uh, my dad was just over this past weekend uh, with his wife. He's still married to the same woman. Uh, I have two younger half brothers uh, and we get along great. And wow. that is the, that is my dad's story. Not, not definitely, definitely not the typical well, that really leads into uh, a question I have for you. You know, your mission with the Dad Edge is to empower men to live and lead legendary lives. I love that phrase. You say you empower men to create legendary marriages, create epic connections with their kids, master their personal finances, optimize their health, and become a leader within their families, which is just so cl- similar to our DNA. But within all of that and and thinking about your biological dad, you you talk a lot about the cost of doing nothing. Can you walk us through what you mean by that and why it's such an important catchphrase for what you do? There's definitely a cost of doing nothing, and so yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give some context around that. So like, um, what what did you used to do before this podcast, or do you still have a full time? I was a associate pastor for twenty five years. Okay. Uh, and did you have any type of formal training, obviously in that? Yeah. Yeah. And I had yeah. the wing it and fling it the first, uh, several years. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk about football. You played football through college. Yep. Okay. And, uh, right how, there. how many years you played football? Yeah, I see it. I, I played that. football from the time I was probably, I would say officially with a helmet fifth grade. So 10 years old, my final year, I was 22. So 12 years okay. of football. Right. So let, let's just take football, for instance, right? Um, or think about anything that we do for a living, our jobs, four-year degree, master degree, PhD, but let's just take football. Um, football, we never expect anybody to make it to like the elite level of college, Big Ten, or whatever it was, right? Unless they go through training, practices, uh, view video, uh, work out in the gym, practice their plays, know their playbook. You have to have an in-depth knowledge. If you're going to go out on that field and perform, you have to have an in-depth knowledge, both here, here, and physically of what to do. And mm-hmm. you have to know all the plays and the field and everything else and the rules. So there's a lot of, I can't even imagine the amount of hours that you have probably spent in practices alone, getting ready for games. Now flip that to marriage and fatherhood. When you get married, you know, you walk down the aisle, you say your I do's and everyone just like, oh, great. Yeah. Best time of your whole life. Yeah. If you're worried, don't worry. You'll figure it out. You always figure it out. Don't worry about it. And then you have a kid or two or three or four 
And then it's like, oh, don't worry. Best time of your whole life. You'll figure it out. Right. And then add to add insult to injury. Men in general, we don't necessarily like to ask for help. Right. Mm-hmm. True. Unless it's like for some, for some reason, when it comes to business and, and making money, we're like, yeah, help me, help me, help me. Right. I want to join a mastermind. I want to coach. I want to whatever. Right. For, for, for the most part, sometimes we'll, men will hire a trainer to get in better health. Right. I need to learn. I need to train. I need to practice. Right. But when it comes to marriage, we have this perception of ourselves in our marriage of like, well, if I don't know how to do that, then there's something wrong with me. Yep. Or if I don't know how to do that, I'm perceiving that I'm broken. Same thing with being a parent, right? Well, if I don't know how to do that, man, I must really have issues, right? But the here's the funny thing. You didn't get to play college ball at that level by, you know, your coach basically being like, hey, Jim, don't dude, don't worry about it. Just just go out there. Don't worry about knowing the plays. Don't worry about, you know, just you'll figure it out. Like if you don't know what a jet sweep is and your coach said, don't worry, man, you'll figure it out. Best time of your whole life. You would have been like, what am I supposed to do? So the fact, if you were to go to, if you weren't, if you weren't willing as a young kid to go to practice and learn the game, there's a cost to that. Yeah. And the cost of that is you're, you're either riding the bench or you're getting your butt just reamed all over that field. Right. The parenting as a father and as a husband, it is no different. If you are not investing in community, I'm an avid reader. I read a lot. I'm always trying to soak in knowledge. If you don't, e- if you won't even invest in the fact of the time and, and resources to buy a book to learn something new, there's a cost to that, right? Absolutely. And that's what I mean by the, there's a cost to not learning things. No, I agree 100%. I think there's always a cost to pay. You know, there's a phrase that John Maxwell uses or used to use. You can pay now or you can pay later, yeah. but you're going to pay. Yeah. And I think that's important for guys to know, whether it's your feathered hair back 80s stepdad with a mustache or your biological dad, you know, when we do nothing, that's a choice. We're making a choice. Yep. And so, but you, you know, you, you, you have in your uh, homepage video, I thought that was really helpful. You talked about uh, this. You said, we have to choose to step into this mindset. So the co- there's this cost of doing nothing or doing something. Everything has a cost to pay, but we have to choose to step into this mindset. So are there specific steps that that guys step into or is the is the first step saying I'm going to step? I, I think there's a step before that. And the step before that is listen, if you don't know how let's just take a couple of different things right if you don't know how to create more intimacy with your wife Mm. if you don't know how to optimally communicate with your wife or if you don't know how to necessarily dig into emotional resilience and be more be a more patient father like if you do if you don't know how to do that like listen the first step is knowing like dude that's okay okay that's okay because for we we are not taught these things there's not necessarily a well there's a plethora of resources now but we're not taught these things. But I also think, and I also know that it's it, it's not your fault if you don't know it. So if you don't know it, you're normal. Mm-hmm. It is your fault if you don't do anything about it. That's true. And let, let me just explain. I'll explain this just a little more. So when it comes to things like this, when it comes to, let's just communicating with your wife, right? The cost of doing nothing 
is you can keep paying that price of like, I can just watch my relationship just sort of get worse or deteriorate, or I can go ask somebody for some help, or I can read a book, or we can go see a marriage counselor, or I can do something, right? Uh, but to for men to know, like, listen, if you don't have the answers, man, that is really okay. It really is. And then I think it feels good for men to be like, okay, so this is normal. Yes, it's absolutely normal. But then the second step is like, what am I going to go do about it? That's what I think that second step is. Yeah, I think that's really good, man. Uh, just when we don't have that point of time, we continue in this uh, cost of doing nothing phase. And you talk about drifting. It, like you, you drifted into being overweight but you didn't get healthy by drifting. Can you talk to us about that process? So drift drifting as in being overweight? Well, how do you go from drifting to going against the flow and getting to where you need to be? I think you have. So hopefully, um, here's what I'll tell men. Don't call the fire department when your house is a raging inferno. Yes. Right? Uh, you, you, don't, you don't do that. You've got to be. And unfortunately, we live in a society where everyone is very reactive. Right. We're not necessarily pro even our health care. It's oh, absolutely. It's, it's yeah, it's sick care. It's not health care. Right. It's yeah. crisis yeah. care. Um, however, if you go about your relationships, your marriage, relationship with your kids, parenting skills, all these things, the same way that you would go about, let's just say, physical health. Right. You know, you're not going to eat McDonald's for three meals a day every day. I mean, we saw what happened to that one guy who supersized me, right? Where yep, his liver yep, yep. started like shutting down and stuff like that. Unfortunately, that's when people will change their diet, you know, when they, when they have their first heart attack. So we know that to be true. The same is true for your marriage. The same is true for your mentality. The same is true for the relationship with your kids. Like you have to be like, Hey, I, j I am ready to learn. Like I am ready to learn and do things better. Basically, eat healthy food as it relates to the information that I'm learning so I can implement versus like, I'm going to chow down on McDonald's and then I'm going to step on the scale and wonder why am I 300 pounds? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, of course it makes sense. You're doing all the wrong things. So if you're more proactive versus reactive, mm -hmm. it's going to help a lot. Yeah, I think that's good. So now in the process of this, it's funny when I was just looking around and doing research about uh, what you offer to men, you talk about this thing, and I'd never heard this phrase before. Now, last year I read 60 books, and I read all the time, and I have never heard this phrase before. So when I hear a lot of guys, we're parroting back and forth, we're, you know, uh, the art of originality is not revealing your sources, right? So, but when I heard this phrase, I'd never heard it before. So now I'm going to steal it from you, and then people are thinking I'm really smart. But this phrase is, you, you said, take a productive pause. Yeah. I love that phrase. Can you walk these guys through that phrase and why that phrase is so important to live a legendary life? So if, if you think about just our everyday lives, right, we are, our subconscious really rules, rules the roost 90% of our day, right? I mean, can you, I mean, you, you take the same way to and from work do you ever take like any other directions out unless there's a massive accident or detour you do the same thing every day and you can do it on automatic pilot right we do that with our coffee we wake up have our coffee 
go to the bathroom, kind of do our same thing, you know, and then we go to work and kind of do our same thing. It's like this, literally, it's like this treadmill. It's like this, call it the drift, right? Yeah. It's called the drift. So these productive pauses, and I'll give you one, I'll give you a couple of different examples. A lot of people have a productive pause in the, at the first part of their day. A, product, a productive pause for me and my 16-year-old right now is we're, we're going through um, a Bible study called Operation Timothy, and we're doing it every single morning for 30 minutes every morning. That's a productive pause. It's, 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 we're interrupting like our normal Monday, our normal morning, where I normally get up at 545 and I see my son like scrolling through his phone versus like, hey, instead of scrolling through your phone for 20 or 30 minutes, let's go do this. And he's eager to do it. That's a productive pause. Another productive pause could be, you know, meditating, journaling, and that kind of thing. Another productive pause that I like to call it's, and this is going to sound self-serving. I don't mean it to, but in our data Alliance mastermind, where every single mastermind session is an hour and it's a productive pause in the day of like, Hey, you're going to come here and you're going to learn something new, whether it's crowdsource wisdom from the guys who are on the call, whether it's what we're teaching and what we call our skills tactics every single month. But it's a productive pause where like, I am going to interrupt the drift and I'm going to do something super intentional to enrich my life. And what is this going to do? And that is a productive pause. That's interesting. I did not think you were going to go there with that. I, I was thinking it was something different, but that's really good. I appreciate that. That's my morning. Every morning until 730, I spend several, two hours usually, and I'm reading the Bible, reading a book. I'm reading church history in plain language, and I'm reading Dale Carnegie's book about anxiety. And then I'm reading a book about World War II, and then I read, my Bi- I read two different Bible things. And just walking through that, and, and it's funny because my wife realizes don't mess with him during this time because that's my time when I – it really establishes the rhythm yeah. of the day, right? And and uh, it's so ingrained nowadays after – man, I'm 56, man, so uh, it's never going to go anywhere. So I, I, I would be doing you a disservice in the last 10 minutes if I didn't move into really kind of what I think is the – the meat of what you do. You you talk to guys about living legendary, love that phrase, uh, living an epic life. Uh, you wrote a book called The Dad's Edge, which is nine simple ways to have unlimited patience, improve relationships, positive lasting memories. All of these things to me point to that legendary word. So, so when you speak to guys, have guys on your podcast and you're with and you want to help guys to live legendary. What what are your thoughts about that? What do you want a man to look like after he's gone through, let's say, your program? He's been engaged in what you're doing. Whew. Man, that's that's such a good question. Uh, so living legendary, that quote, and it's it's actually what my hat says, living legendary. And it's something, it's it's a mantra that I use quite a bit. And I think whatever's personal mantra people you know, live by to re-engage their thought processes, you know, make better decisions, whatever else, right? I'm going to throw another quote your way. And it was in that video. And the first time I ever heard this quote was from a podcast guest, but I think it was from Napoleon Hill, which is the definition of hell is meeting the man that you could have become when you're laying on your deathbed. Yeah. Even as I say that, I get the chills. And I'll never forget the first time I heard that um, I was literally taking a left on this road and I was listening to a podcast guest, the same guest who came on and shared it with me. And after I heard him share that, I was like, he's got to come on my show. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that is horrifically terrifying. Yeah, for sure. Right. If you really, 
if you really think about it, like I, I've been blessed because we've, we've been doing data edge Alliance mastermind since 2016. One of the exercises that we encourage men to do is to write their eulogy. Sounds morbid, Done but it. it actually gives you, yeah, it's, it's, it gives you so much clarity. And here's the other thing too, about 98% of the things that we chase on a daily basis has nothing to do with that eulogy. Right. Yep. Yep. And one of one of the biggest i think misses for men and if like listen if i could if i could really speak to your audience right now shake them by the shoulders and like kind of get in their face a little bit it's interrupting the what we call the drift that wash rinse repeat where you're surviving the day you are your your marriage is mediocre at best the relationships with your kids you want them so badly to have depth but they're surface right you want to be in your kids' lives with with depth and connection and all these things, but it's just not happening. Um, what usually what that means is you haven't learned the skills to do those things. Like if I were to sit here and tell you, "Hey, marriage is not a feeling; it's a skill." Like mm -hmm. learning these things, it's a skill, right? Being patient with your kids. A lot of guys think like, "Well, if I'm yeah, patience is a feeling. It is not a feeling." Patience is a skill. It's emotional resilience. It's just packaged up and bottled just a little bit differently, mm -hmm. right? But when we talk about living legendary, in order to have those fulfilling relationships, like, listen, the guys that do life with us in the Alliance, we teach them a different skill set every single week, right? And the purpose of that is it could be in marriage, it could be in your finances, the relationship with your kids, leadership, your, your physical, mental, emotional health, all these things. And if you're not doing those, what I would hate, hate, hate to happen is a guy is on his deathbed and he is like in tears going like, oh my God, I wish, I wish I had more time. I wish I would have had to do it all over again. Like I would have done so many things differently. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have learned a thing or two to connect with my kid more. Like I, I didn't see my life turning out like this. And what happens is, is when men are in that drift, they're not seeing that. They're just trying to get through the day, survive the day, or, you know, I, this is what I think I'm supposed to do. So living legendary is taking complete and total ownership of learning the skills that are going to optimize the relationships with the people that matter most mm -hmm. to you. And if you're not doing those things, man, if I could just encourage men, it's this, please, please, please don't be that man on your deathbed going like coulda, woulda, shoulda. What we want for our guys, and I'll finish up with this, is that when you're lying on your deathbed, I know this sounds morbid, when you're lying on your deathbed and you're waiting to pass from this life to the next, that you're doing it with a smile. And you're like, you know what? It wasn't perfect. And every day wasn't sunshine and rainbows, but mm. man, I did it with everything I had. I, I left nothing on the table. And I did it the best I could and learned everything that I could. And it was good. It was really, really good overall. And I'm happy. Like that is my wish for men. Yeah, that's so good, man. I'm just, as you were speaking, I thought of a quote, only dead things drift downstream. Sir, we're wanting yeah. guys to say, you know what? If I want to be alive, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a struggle. There's going to be resistance. There's going to be a flow coming in my face. And I need to take those action steps because the cost of nothing may be the greatest cost of all. So, man, Larry, I really appreciate you and uh, your time on our show. How can our guys 
connect with you on Instagram or pick up your resources or get involved in what you're doing? It's not hard to find me at all. So everything <laughs> is the dad edge on IG. I'm the dad edge. Um, on, uh, I mean, you can, on Facebook, we have a page, the dad edge, we have a group, the dad edge, um, obviously Larry Hagner, but everything, if you want to connect with me, podcast resources, I've got, I've got a bunch of free stuff for married guys, uh, 21 days to an extraordinary marriage. I also have another free resource called 25 Con intimate conversation starters. Um, also I've got a couple courses out there on marriage and patience. Uh, and then of course our mastermind, but everything you, you, possibly want to find is at the dadedge.com. Yeah. And the book is called the dad's edge. So just yeah. to let you know, guys, that is his book as well. So, Hey guys, I want to give you some boots on the ground here. What are you going to do about today's show? What action steps will you take to move into your best version? So here's, what I want you to do guys. I want you to think about a struggle that you're having right now, whether that's a struggle with a pressure or stress or health or a job, your job or a relationship. And then I want you to answer this question. When it comes to blank, what is the cost of doing nothing? And then take steps to move towards fixing that thing. So guys, make sure you head on over to meninarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. Also want to let you know that we just released Guts and Manhood that is available on Amazon. Click the Join Our Program button to get involved in one of our many virtual teams. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Live legendary. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.